0: overflow. So uh, we started this teaching series out of the the gospel of Luke uh, because I was convinced that uh, I'm more and more convinced of it every day of when I talk to people about Jesus, the Jesus they tell me about is not the Jesus of scripture. The things, the way Jesus acted, the things he said, the things he valued aren't, that people tell me aren't what I see in the Gospels, and so in our overflow teaching series, we've we've just been walking through the story of Jesus. Uh, uh, it, it says in a, in chapter nine of Luke, when when Jesus sees the widow after her son has passed away and the widow is in tears, Jesus' heart overflows with compassion, and that's what I want. I want your heart to overflow with Jesus, and, and so that's what we've been talking about. That's what's been driving this whole series. Um, and today, my my task is incredibly difficult. Because the writer, Luke, a Gentile writing to Gentiles, takes Jesus' great Sermon on the Mount. You guys familiar with this? Kind of a, a, his brave heart speech of who he is and what he's about and what he values. Uh, it takes Matthew three chapters. Uh, Matthew, the good Jewish guy, takes three chapters to share the Sermon on the Mount. And Luke says, I can condense that. And he does it in 30 verses less than a quarter of the length. And so when Luke compresses this incredible teaching of Jesus, what he does uh, uh, effectively is, is what my son does to me. So I've got a three-year-old, his name's Cannon. He's very precocious. Um, sometimes I'll be asleep, you know, on the couch or, you know, in, in bed or whatever. And our, our sweet little three-year-old will will sneak into the room like a ninja, somehow climb onto the bed. And with me laying peacefully there, he will jump as high as he can while simultaneously yelling, wake up! And then land, usually with knees first, kind of in this area of my body, if that makes sense. You guys have three-year-olds, you know what I'm talking about. Um, And that's kind of how this teaching is supposed to hit us, I think. Uh, today, I'm not really gonna. I, I'm not really gonna teach teach that much. I, I'm not gonna deliver you a teaching as much as I'm gonna drop one on you, because that's what Luke does. Bombshell after bombshell after bombshell. Jesus just drops this incredibly heavy message. When I was studying it, I just wanted to lay on the floor of my office and lay the Bible on my face because that's what it felt like. It's weighty, and it's difficult. So. Tough job. Are you guys ready for this? All right. So we're going to look at six bombshells out of Luke's teaching uh, or Luke's telling us of Jesus' teaching on the plain. So we're going to read a bit of scripture, talk about the bombshell, then we're going to keep going. All right. So let's go to this first section of scripture. In Luke chapter 6, verse 20 through 26, it says, Then Jesus turned to his disciples and said, God blesses you who are poor. For the kingdom of God is yours. God blesses you who are hungry now, for you will be satisfied. God blesses you who weep now, for in due time you will laugh. What blessing awaits you when people hate you and exclude you and mock you and curse you as evil because you follow the Son of Man? When that happens, what's it say? Be happy. Yes, leap for joy, for a great reward awaits you in heaven. And remember your ancestors, uh, their ancestors treated the ancient prophets that same way. What sorrow awaits you who are rich? For you have your only happiness now. What sorrow awaits you who are fat and prosperous now? For a time of awful hunger awaits you. What sorrow awaits you who laugh now, for your laughing will turn to mourning and sorrow. What sorrow awaits you who are praised by the crowds, for their ancestors also praised false prophets. Bombshell number one. So I'm, I'm kind of a visual learner, so I brought some things to help me uh, kind of talk about this teaching if we share six bombshells today, I'm going to try to share with you uh, six visuals. And we'll, uh, we'll talk more about these as we kind of move along here. All right, so we've got a cage, a Care Bear, uh, um, a soft serve ice cream cone, a piece of wood, fruit, and stone. So clearly you guys know what I'm talking about, right? Um, It's all right. I don't either. It's fine. Uh, The first bombshell is a cage. Uh, This is my cage, uh, and and it's not just a cage. It's a trap. It's a snare because uh, where I live in my neighborhood, there are these things called squirrels. And uh, mostly I don't care about squirrels. Mostly they don't bother me or or annoy me, except for twice in the first year of living in our home, our squirrels uh, chewed through the fuel lines of two of our cars. Now I don't like squirrels so much. <laughs> when I called the, uh, when I called the like, animal service of the state of Tennessee, they said the first thing they asked was, do you have a Mercedes? And I was like, no, I'm a preacher. Uh, <laughs> and they said there's something, uh, there's something about the wiring harnesses of one model of Mercedes that squirrels absolutely love. So I bet your dealer won't tell you that uh, when, you, when you buy your Mercedes. But they said, yeah, there's squirrels are getting under your car when it's parked outside and there's maybe they use peanut oil or something in the manufacturing process. But for some or maybe they're just crazy little critters, which is what I can imagine. So uh, they said, we just get a trap. And and I said, OK, well, what do I put in it? And they said, put peanut butter on a saltine cracker so they won't be able to resist it. And I said, are you sure? Is that it? He said, yeah. So I went to the co-op. I got my trap, peanut butter on a saltine cracker. Put it out there two hours later, squirrel in there okay I take the take the trap, submerge it in a bucket of water. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I just shoot' him. No. man um, i I I, man, I just wanted to uh, I gently relocated him to your neighborhood uh, so. So my trap, kid you not, like I'm all pro at this now. I, I, at least two dozen squirrels have found a new home because of this trap. Because I don't want them. I don't need them around. And believe it or not, in the very first words of Jesus, what he's saying is watch out for the trap. He does this contrast between poor and rich and hungry and fat and prosperous and those who weep and those who laugh. He does this contrast between affliction and those who receive applause. He does a contrast between happiness and sorrow. It's a contrast between heaven and hell. It's a contrast between the temporary and the eternal. It's a contrast between the world and God. And he says, the things this world values are their own reward. The things this world celebrates of, of, of wealth or, or prosperity or, or even happiness. He said, if you get these things, literally it says you've had it. That's what it says. I love what uh, William Barclay says. He says... For Jesus to talk like this is to put an end to the world's values all together. Because riches of this world, the things this world honors, almost inescapably trap those who receive them. Are you with me? You know why the poor are blessed? Not because they're poor. Because there's traps out there for the wealthy, and the poor don't have to worry about those traps. And maybe they have to worry about some other traps, but that's one trap they don't have to worry about. It's one snare they don't have to worry about. And, and so the, the poor, it, the example is the poor have a deep need for God in a way that the self-sufficient rich don't. And every day, multiple, hundreds of times a day, we must choose what it says in verse 22. We must choose to follow the Son of Man. And when we choose Christ, even though it will be difficult, we can and will avoid the snares of this world. Are you with me? All right, bombshell number one. Bombshell number two, let's keep going. Go ahead and put the scripture up in there. But to you who are willing to listen, I say, love your enemies do good to those who hate you bless those who curse you pray for those who hurt you and if someone slaps you on one cheek offer the other cheek also and if someone demands your coat offer your shirt also and give to anyone who asks and when things are taken away from you don't try to get them back do to others as you would like them to do to you if you love only those who love you Why should you get any credit for that? Even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good only for those who do good to you, why should you get credit? Even sinners do that much. And if you lend money only to those who can repay you, why should you get credit? Even sinners will lend to other sinners uh, for a full return. He says it again, love your enemies. And do good to them. Lend to them without expecting to be repaid. Then your reward from heaven will be very great. And you will be truly acting as children of the Most High. For He is kind to those who are unthankful and wicked. Verse 36. If you don't have this one underlined in your, in your Bible, you need to. You must be compassionate. Just as your father is compassionate. Bombshell number two. In the ancient world, it, it wasn't really any different than our world, but but you were taught to love your family. Uh, you, were, you were taught to, to love your friends, and you were taught to hate your enemy. You're taught to hate ISIS. You're taught to hate. Terrorist. When people fly planes in the building, you are taught to hate them, to hate your boss that took credit for your work, to hate the friend that stabbed you in the back, hate the one that is out to get you. But to you who are willing to listen, Jesus says it twice He says, Love your enemies. Jesus says something once. You better pay attention. He says something twice. You better write that on your heart. Love your enemies. And so some of you are these Greek scholars, and you know that in Greek they use all these different words for love. And so, well, what kind of love is he talking about? Well, it's agape. You don't have to know all the different kinds of love to know that agape is the big one. Agape love is the same kind of love God has for us. In the same way God loves you, you should love others. It's a love of the will. (laughs) It's not this pleasant love. You know, it's the love that a parent has for a child when the child's misbehaving. You know what I'm saying? It's the love that's not always easy. It's the love that endures when things are incredibly difficult. It's a willful kind of love it's a love that seeks nothing but the highest good of the other despite the actions of the other. And how is this kind of love accomplished? How is it achieved? He tells us in verse 31. It says, do to others as you would like them to do to you. You guys know this as the golden rule. It does not consist in not doing uh, too many of us Christians are really good at not doing, right? But that's not what he says. This, this isn't about not doing, this is about doing to others. This isn't about us refraining from doing bad things to others, but this is about us actively engaging in doing good things. And, and that's what he says. He says, Do good to those who hate you. He said, Don't just avoid the people you hate. He says, I want you to engage them. I want you to do good for them. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who hurt you. Offer the other cheek. Offer your shirt also. Give to anyone who asks. Don't try to get back what is taken from you. Jesus' point is that the the cycle of hatred and violence that characterizes human nature can only be be broken by responding with good. Are you with me? The way we change things is by doing good. Romans chapter 12, verse 17 says, Never pay back evil with more evil. How often? Never. Never pay back evil with more evil. I shared a tweet from Bob Goff. You guys know Bob Goff? We did his book before, the the Love Does book. His tweet was simple, and it summarized this kind of whole idea. He says, love everyone all the time, no matter what. So bombshell number two, the essence of the gospel. <laughs> I can't think of anything better. How about a Care Bear? This is actually my wife's Care Bear from when she was a little girl, so you can't have it. Um, The essence of the whole gospel is to love your enemies. In verse 35, it says this. I want to come back to verse 35 and 36. I think I have those on the screen. There it goes. Kind of jumbled together, but verse 35 and 36, it says, Love, do good, then you will truly be acting as what? For he is kind to those who are unthankful and wicked. You guys know that whole verse about he makes the rain fall on the just and the unjust alike. Like, that's just who he is. Like, like he just loves. Like, he can't help it. And then verse 36, you must be <laughs> care bears. The identifying mark for us as children of God is compassion. And it's and it's not just idealism. Like, like I don't think Jesus just presented this as like, you know, these are great ideas for you guys to think about and ponder. Like I I think this is this is he's saying this is actually possible. This this is a tangible way to live. And he he says, not only can you, you can't, not only can you just can you live this way, you must. That's what it says in verse 36. You must be compassionate. And, and that's a statement really of who you are. Like this love is, becomes a fundamental ethic, a distinguishing mark. It governs all our behavior. We are compassionate. We love. We do good because we are children of God. Are you with me? Yes. Bombshell number two. Bombshell number three. Oh, you're going to like this one. Go ahead and put it on the screen. Beginning in verse 37, I think. There it is. Oh, man. Do not judge others, and you will not be judged. Do not condemn others, or it will all come back against you. Forgive others, and you will be forgiven. Verse 38 Give, and you will receive. Your gift will return to you in full, pressed down, shaken together to make room for more, running over and poured into your lap. Don't you love that? The amount you give, I don't like this last part. The amount you give will determine the amount you get back. First time I read that when I was studying this week, I wrote the words, I hope not, next to it. (laughs) Um, I love the quote from Fred Craddock uh, about judging. He uh, He said, apparently, God's gracious and forgiving treatment of others, God's gracious and forgiving treatment of adulterers and tax collectors and prodigals leaves the work of judging unattended, and so we must take care of it for him. It says... Literally, stop judging, stop condemning, stop it. There is so much bad in the best of us and so much good in the worst of us that it ill becomes any of us to find fault in the rest of us. So... If you have all this spare time on your hands, <laughs> if you stop judging and stop condemning, you're going to have this spare time. So in response, I want you to give. And, and, and uh, uh, by the way, this is also how you, invo- how you avoid the, the, the trap, the snares of this world. It says I want you to give. And I love the example he uses in verse 38. He, he describes this, your gift will return to you in full, pressed down, shaken together to make room for more, running over and poured into your lap. And, and it's, a, it's a merchant scene. I, I don't know, like I try to think of like ancient, you know, the ancient Near East Palestine, you go to the market and they're selling spices and grains and, and, and you show up and, and you give them your sack to fill up with, with sugar or spices or, or whatever, you know, and they don't just fill it up like below the level, you know, so you can tie it off nicely. But like, this is a really generous merchant. He's he's pouring into your sack. So it, it pours over and you're holding your sack and like you're ho- it's pouring out into your shirt and you're like, this is how much you get. It made me think of um, an ice cream cone. So uh, my uh, Philip, who's not here today, uh, every Wednesday, we get some guys together. We've been going to Jason's Deli for lunch. Uh, it's just something we've been doing for a while. We pray for each other, encourage each other. And uh, um, we, we go there because we can eat the salad bar and tell our wives we're being healthy, but they also have free ice cream. You guys know the, it's got the free soft serve at the back. We don't have to tell them that part. Um, and uh, I, the first time we went, we came with Philip, and, and uh, I went back there. You know how to do the soft serve thing. You pull the handle, and, man, I'm no good at that. I, I, it, I can get, like, one and, like, a half, and then it starts to fall off, and I have to stop because I got, ah, oh, that's all I, man, I messed mine up. But Philip is all pro at this. Like, y'all should see this skill. Like, it's, it's unbelievable, uh, this past week, when we were there, literally people were lining up to have Philip do their ice cream for them. Because he's got this gift of, man, he bounces it and he holds it right here. Like this is where he's watching this thing. And he's going the perfect speed and he's building and building and building. The first one he gave me, I kid you not, was like up to there. I told Philip, man, just go into business. Set out a tip jar, you're good. I know Jason's Deli isn't planning on them getting that much. But man, that's that's what it talks about. He said, when we're generous, it, it comes back to us, pressed down, shaken together, overflowing. And so he says to give, give, be generous. Bombshell number three. Bombshell number four. We're going to go fast. Verses 39 through 42. Then Jesus gave the following illustration. Can one blind person lead another? Won't they both fall into a ditch? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Students are not greater than their teacher, but the student who is fully trained will become like the teacher. And why worry about a speck in your friend's eye when you have a log in your own how can you think of saying, friend, let me help you get rid of that speck in your, in your eye when you can't see past the log in your own eye? Hypocrite. First, get rid of the log in your own eye. Then you will see well enough to deal with the speck in your friend's eye. Uh, this is the most obvious one. Uh, I know you guys, uh, I know what some of you are thinking, um, God, it is, it is so easy for me to see everyone else's flaws. This must be my spiritual gift. N- no. No. Jesus uses the word hypocrite. Uh, that's, a, that's a theater word, if, if you didn't know. In Greek, it's a theater. It's one who wears a mask one who pretends. And that behavior is, is totally inappropriate for followers of Jesus. And uh, I don't want to spend a lot of time here because we kind of we know this one. But, uh, but it's important to mention too about this that the disqualifying factor about the whole log spec thing, is, is not that you have flaws. That's, that's not what gets you in trouble. What gets you in trouble is that you are blind to them. And there's an unwillingness there. Do you see that? An unwillingness to repent, an unwillingness to be self-critical and honest with oneself. Um, I was convicted of this uh, just a couple of weeks ago, man. Every, every single one of you in here needs to have an accountability partner. Um, somebody that you give permission to speak into your life in real tangible ways. Like they get a ticket, they get a pass. They get a pass to ask tough questions and when they ask, you get to answer honestly. Because it's that whole spec log thing. Next one. A good tree can't produce bad fruit and a bad tree can't produce good fruit. A tree is identified by its... Figs are never gathered from thorn bushes, and grapes are not picked from bramble bushes. A good person produces good things from the treasury of a good heart, and an evil person produces evil things from a treasury of an evil heart. What you say flows from what is in your heart. All right, so I got some fruit. Megan, are you awake? Nice! So proud of you, Rick. I'm like you looking in the back row. Back row. David Browning all the way at the soundboard. Oh, yes. What kind of fruit is this? What kind of tree does it grow on? (laughs) That tree. What kind of fruit is this? It's, oh, sorry, it's an apple. It kind of looks like it grows through a. I need to throw you some. What do people receive when they stand under your words? Like fruit from a tree, the words that come out of your mouth tell us something about you. And I hate this, but it's true, right? Um, And another version, it says, out of the overflow of the heart does the mouth speak. Always our speech betrays us. And Jesus cuts right to it and basically essentially says, what you say is what you are. And so there's this thing that happens in this. uh, He talks about a treasury of the heart. It comes out of the treasury of the heart. And and this is one of the things we work on as Christians all the time as a church. We're constantly working on because what he's talking about is not a change of language. You can change a language all day long, but what he's talking about is a transformation that starts from the inside out, does that make sense? And we, we work on, sometimes we work on our words, 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 when really we just need to work on our heart. And that's what Jesus is calling for. All right, one more. Go ahead and throw those. Um, Jesus says, I'll show you what it's like when someone comes to me, listens to my teaching, and then follows it. It's like a person building a house who digs deep and lays the foundation on solid rock. And when the flood waters rise and break against the house, it stands firm because it is well, be, well built. But anyone who hears and doesn't obey is like a person who builds a house without a foundation. And when the floods come, and you guys know they're going to come, when the floods sweep down against the house, it will collapse into a heap of ruins. Finally, the last is, uh, again, it's pretty obvious. Here we go. Um, <laughs> just kidding. Just kidding. Wait, who's asleep? Um, uh, in, in Palestine, in the ancient Near East, in, in the summer, the, uh, uh, in a lot of cases, the riverbeds will dry up. Even, even wide rivers, even in the summer they'll dry up, leaving this nice, Flat, sandy plain, which looks like a really great place to build a house. And, and this teaching is, is really about foresight, because if you kind of uh, take some shortcuts, instead of looking for rocks and stones, instead of taking the time to be a little bit metic- meticulous, you could build your house on a, I mean, a perfectly flat, level, sandy place, and for a little while it's going to be OK. But you've got to think about the future. We can't just have short-sighted vision because we know storms are going to come. And if we want to avoid the, <laughs> avoid what comes with that, then we've got to build on a solid foundation that, that takes uh, not more than just a short-sighted vision, but it, it really takes doing the work. It's about doing the work. All right, so I know i fit you with a couple of bombshells. I want to wrap things up. Um, Rico, if you guys, if y'all want to go ahead and come up here, I just want to share a couple more thoughts. Um, In just a minute, we're going to have a time of kind of a, we kind of do things together here sometimes, but we're going to have a time of communion. And so around the table, uh, around the room, we have uh, communion set up, the Lord's Supper set up, and we're going to create a space for you to commune with the Lord, to commune with each other, invite you to share with each other. Um, But it's also a time for you to respond. If there's ways we can pray for you, serve you. Maybe you have a desire to get baptized uh, maybe you haven't been following these things as you should. There's a way we can pray for you, or serve you. We we want to do that. Couple of final thoughts. I'm going to come over here. What ensnared you this week? What are your traps? There's some specific to me that are that are traps for others but it's not a trap for me but but I got some that I got to really watch out for are you with me how did you do this week not not how did you not do how did you do Who are your enemies and how did you treat them? Were you filled with compassion for others? Were you judgmental, condemning? (laughs) Who did you give to this week? And did that giving, did it come with some sort of strings attached? Maybe you received this week from the Lord more than you expected. What about your vision? How are you doing there? Right now, maybe you can think of one or two people um, that could come into your life, (laughs) and this seems it's going to be really uncomfortable, but they can help you pull this out. They can. Who do you need to call? Who do you need to fess up to? What's been the content of your heart? Have you let it slip? You feel like you're just covering up what's inside, and you're holding your tongue, you're holding your tongue, you're holding your tongue, when really we just... We shouldn't have to worry about our tongue if our heart is straight. What's in here? And then the last question is, are you doing the work? Um, Are you doing the work to make sure what's in your heart is of God? God. Jesus says in this in the same teaching in verse 46, I don't like this either. He says, why do you call me Lord, Lord? But don't do what I say. Did you love this week? Did you live and breathe and act as sons and daughters of God? Um, maybe you're sitting there feeling like, uh, I told you what this teaching feels like, right? A three-year-old jumping on this part of you when you're unexpected. Does, does it feel like that? It feels like that to me. And maybe you're sitting there feeling that way, like, oh, <laughs> you're right, he didn't teach, he just dropped this teaching on us like a bombshell. He just dropped it right on our chest. And if you're feeling that, I, I just want to say, say it's okay, but then I, I want to I give you a couple of words Jesus dropped all of these bombshells on us, but I don't think he ever intended us to do it by ourselves. I don't think it's possible. I don't think you can do these things by yourself. Uh, And I meet people all the time like, oh, I'm okay. Me and God, we're tight. We got it together. And I'm thinking, you can't do this by yourself. You cannot. Not only do you need the work of the Holy Spirit in a major way, and I don't want to deny that at all, but this is one of the reasons we have been, and and you hear us talk about it all the time, harping on this idea of discipleship. Because I know far too many Christians that say, Lord, Lord, and, and have kind of forgot about this stuff discipleship is all about life-on-life relationships. Even when Jesus dropped these bond- bombshells on the disciples, do you think they got it? Mm-hmm. Clearly not. They Even the example of their own life, they didn't get it. They struggled with it. They struggled through it. But they struggled with him through it. He was right there, life-on-life relationships. And, this kind of stuff takes a transformation it, it, and transformation is a walk. It's a journey that we take with others. So like I talked about accountability partner, you need a faith partner, someone who is discipling you, someone who is actively helping you work out these things, someone who is on a weekly basis saying, hey, how did you give this week? Hey, what kind of traps did you fall into? Hey, how are, uh, 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 what kind of words are coming out of your mouth? This is what it means to be disciples of Jesus, to bring our lives into alignment with Jesus, to live the kind of life he said is possible. And so as we send you to a time of communion and and prayer and response, I just just challenge you to commit this morning um, not to doing these things all by yourself, but commit to joining a disciple group, commit to, to partnering with two or three others to help you not just say, Lord, Lord, but actually do what he says. So let's pray together, and I'll send you to a time of communion. Father God, I thank you so much for your word. Whew, it's too much for me. God, I can't do all this by myself, um, and I'm the pastor. <laughs> God, we need you to work in us we need the strength and the power of the conviction of your Holy Spirit. Right now, Father, i got to pray that Holy Spirit's convicting hearts is, is convicting us right where we sit. Because, man, God, maybe our words have been tight, but our heart has been loose. And so, God, I pray for, um, man, I, I pray for the power of this teaching that was so relevant and so good then. I pray for the power of this teaching to come alive in us even now today, to bring about transformation today. We, we aren't in this just to, just to show up or to sign up, but, but, God, this is about a change that needs to happen in us. And for some of us, God, it's been a long time since anything has changed. It's been a long time since anything in us has been broken open and pulled apart. It's been a long time before we placed anything before you. So, Father God, I pray that you would move move in us and through us. I pray that, uh, that something powerful and good happens between, between my words and the ears of everyone hearing of God. I pray that they would be spirit-filled. Father God, we love you so much. We know none of this is possible without you, without your son, Jesus. So, Father God, I just uh, as we enter into this space, we remember Your Son—not <laughs> just the the life He gave, but but the words, the teaching He gave us. So, Father God, as we enter in this space, this time of communion, there's no better place to to kind of deal with some of this stuff, to kind of handle some of this stuff than than with You honestly and openly and authentically now. So, Father God, as we take this cup and as we take this bread, these, these symbols of, of life and death, these symbols of grace and forgiveness and sacrifice, all mixed together, Father God, produce a change in us. Maybe it's, just a, maybe it's just enough to call somebody else and have them start meeting with somebody on a regular basis, start talking to somebody about the hidden things in our life. Father God, we love you. We thank you already for the forgiveness that's for all the times we've fallen short. You're there, here you are again, full of grace, arms open wide, not not condemning, but inviting. So Father God, we love you. Help us to follow these teachings. Help 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 these things not to just be words on our lips. Father God, we love you. And in your Son, Jesus' name, everyone together says, Amen. I invite you to enjoy-